Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hey, hey, it is Tennis Bets back again. Quarterfinal action in progress at the Australian Open. Mitch Michaels, Pamela Maldonado, Zachary Cohn here now, and we have a lot to get to in this epic tournament, the 2024 season underway, down under. We've been doing these shows twice a week during the major, and I have to say it has not disappointed. You guys have done pretty well on your picks as well. Uh, Pamela Maldonado, bottom of the screen, welcome back to the show. Uh, here we are now. We're, we're in the quarterfinal round, and at least on the men's side, we've seen all the seeds hold up and what we've seen are the very best players in the world show up ready to play in 2024 as it should i think so far i still have one pending but for the quarterfinal i was like just bet the favorites in a money line parlay what are we doing <laughs> the opponents that they that they were facing all have some type of flaw either to their game or from this tournament just go with the winners because there hasn't been upsets everything's been working out as it should what I loved about at least the start of the quarterfinal round, Zico, is that you have seen the best win, but they've been pushed. Like it has been very, very intense competitive matches. Even if they're straight set score lines, you're seeing the very best have to be at their best to win. And we talked about the depth last year, or last week on this show about the, the tennis game. Both the men and the women's side have shown that there are incredible depth, but at the end of the day, these top players are ranked that high for a reason. Yeah, I mean, we saw Djokovic get pushed by Fritz. I thought that Fritz played mostly a good match. I mean, there was, you know, sometimes where he dug himself into trouble on his own serve, but mostly came up with the goods to get away from it. But yeah, Novak just was too much in the end. I mean, it just kind of looked like there's just still that big gap between the two of them. So, you know, yeah, it was it was a good match for Djokovic to play because he kind of got, you know, pushed and, you know, tested early on. And now he gets to play center, which is what we've all been waiting for all tournament. Speaking of center, I do want to make a comment because, Mitch, you said something that um, I think needs to be added on, that even though they're straight set matches, they're still very competitive. I think, like, the casual viewer is going to be like, oh, he won in straight sets. That wasn't a competitive match. Yes, it was. Like, you can take center over Yash Hachinov. That was a straight set victory, but Hachinov was absolutely ripping it. He did everything right for that match, still lost in straight yeah. sets. It was a highly competitive high level of talent between both players and that's what we've seen so don't let score lines fool you i think someone that would agree with me joining now on the show uh, america's favorite night owl kenny Ducey, uh in the top right of your screen kenny welcome in uh good morning again and yeah i think you'd echo pam's sentiments right like these matches have been exceptionally high played coming down to just a few points in a lot of cases yeah, I mean, that, that match last night, I think if Rublev did not come off the back of such a physical match with ADM, that that would have been a little bit tighter of a scoreline. I mean, five, losing 5-1 in the second set tiebreak is kind of inexcusable, especially for people who had the over in that match. But that, I mean, look, I, I think it says a lot more about where Yannick Sinner's game is right now that, you know, we sat here and watched him go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Karen Hatchinoff and Andrei Rublev 
and not drop a set. Um, I think the objective observer in me says that this is a this is a tournament that Yannick Sinner really should win, uh, given the fact that I, I think the level that we've seen out of his peers, I think the fact that he comes into this one having beaten Novak Djokovic and Carlos Alcaraz in the last four or five months, I think he comes into this knowing he can beat these guys and win this tournament. And the fact that he's played these guys so he's, he's finished these matches off in straight sets. I know you guys would agree with me. We've seen Yannick Sinner at the Grand Slams for the last year. I mean, this is there was only a year ago that we thought Yannick Sinner was going to lose to Martin Fucevic in, in what was it, the second yeah. round. And then he lost to Daniel Altmaier at Roland Garros. And then he Four loses to Zverev last year at the U.S. Open. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 really been quite remarkable how he's coming through these matches in straight sets. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I do think that these these were pretty tough battles. And, and Hatchinoff and Rublev deserve their flowers for their fight. But, well, maybe not Rublev, but it was, uh, it, it was uh, it, yeah, it, it's been quite the performance so far. So I want to get to all these matches, what we've seen, the bets, obviously, for today. I do want to remind everyone where this show is streaming, Tennis.com, Facebook, Tennis Bets, Twitter, and the Tennis Channel YouTube page. You can always join the chat. We'll put the comments on. If you've got picks or questions, we're happy to answer. Uh, our friend uh, Mary Walsh from Ireland. So there you go. we got some Irish fans on the show, too. So we're, we're a global show now. I uh, hate to break it to you guys. But back to the action and going to where we are that Djokovic Fritz match, uh, Zico touched on it, but Pam, that was an exceptional effort effort by Fritz, especially in that second set, to fight off all those break points, deal with the conditions. But at the end of the day, Djokovic just found that gear that he needed. It was a very physical match. It was, you know, brutal out there the conditions, but Novak gets through and he gets through the hard way. There was never a point in the first two sets. Novak won the first set tiebreak. He lost the second set 6-4. There was never a time, though, where I was like, Djokovic is going to lose this match. I still thought, I took a live under. I was like, Djokovic is going to handle the rest of the sets. It was really more about Djokovic not finding his rhythm rather than Fritz was doing anything fantastic to like blow Djokovic out of the water. Fritz refuses to adapt his game. What have we seen from Sinner and why is he so good? Because he is adding variety. What are we seeing from Fritz? I'm going to play from the baseline and I'm just going to rip it through and hope it works. Homeboy, you got to change something because that is not going to be competitive in the long run in a best of five if you want to win a major. It's not going to work against Djokovic. It's not going to work against Carlitos. All he wants to do is play with power. You can't do that against Djokovic, the best baseliner in the world, the best counterpuncher. And that's what we saw Fritz. He never tried to adapt. And when he did try to go for like a little drop shot, you're not good at it. It's something that he needs to implement more. He needs to practice more. Well, yeah, I was going to say, we should give the man some credit here. He came with a new game plan in that match and did hit start in a drop shot. And I do think that's quite an interesting phenomenon on tour. And by the way, I see you gambling, Taylor, in the chat. What's going on? Uh, that That is something we've seen Cam Norrie do. That's something we've seen Sitsipas do a lot more over the last couple of years. The drop shot's really taken, it's, it's, you know, taken the, the tour by storm here. But I think... I, I do I do think we should we should give Taylor a little bit of credit for coming out with a, a little bit different of a game plan there. Yes, Pam is right. You know, his 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 game style is never really gonna fit playing Novak Djokovic in the same way Rublev's game style is never gonna face uh, fit playing Djokovic or Medvedev. But um, I thought he came into that match, you know, doing a little bit better of a job of mixing things up with the serve bringing him in with, to the net with the drop shot. Um, but ultimately, yeah, not not enough in the end because. You know, like like Pam said, it's just not it's just not a, a matchup that he's really ever going to win. I also thought 
I also thought he was trying to grind a little bit more. I just don't think he's like physically capable of doing it. Like he's not a Medvedev where he could run for days, but I do think he was trying to track more balls down and make Novak play a little bit more. He just, yeah, it's not, it's not his style. Yeah. I think he did all that he could. And and I say that in, in the sense of a guy that has the game that he has and he's at this point in his career and he pushed Djokovic as far as he could, but sometimes the player is just better than you on the other side of the net. Um, I do have a topic though. I want to ask, all of our panelists' opinion. Uh, Pam, starting with you, because I'm curious to hear your answer to this question. How many men left do you see that can win the Australian Open? And I'm going to say can, not probable, but that would not shock you. How many men, we'll get the dogs in on this as well, but how many men can uh, win the Australian Open? Are the dogs barking here at the Australian Open? (laughs) That's what you say. That's Um, a good host right there. That's what they say. Realistically, who can win? Sinner is the obvious. Djokovic, the obvious. I would say a definite two. So, Sinner Djokovic, the winner of this match, will be the outcome. Carlos uh, Carlitos is pretty interesting right now. He's playing better. He's starting to look like he's in rhythm again more than – but still kind of like a – he's an afterthought. And that just that hasn't happened for me <laughs> in months. So, so two? Well, two. I'm, I I would – I mean, I'm, sh- I'm shocked to hear you say that. The logic makes sense, but I'll open it up. Kenny, how do you see it? Yeah, I see this one. I think there are four men that could win this tournament, I think, which is a lot, but I think it's an exciting year. Obviously, Novak Djokovic, Carlos Alcaraz. I do think that Yannick Sinner can win this tournament this year with the way he's played. And I'm going to say Alexander Zverev as well. You know, this guy right now playing like a bona fide top three player in the world. Uh, and I, I think we'll get to it a little bit, but I think this match tonight could be a little spicy. I think he could maybe have a little bit of a chance here to beat Carlos Alcaraz given their head to head. And uh, I, I could, I think the way he's played right now, I know that we, the last time we saw him in a grand slam final, it was an apps. It was an unmitigated disaster, but I think the way that Zverev's serving right now, the, the confidence that he's displayed over the, his last couple of matches after two dreadful performances, uh, I, I think he's got enough right now that he could win this tournament. He, you know, he's beaten Novak Djokovic in nearly beaten Novak Djokovic. I'd say, in the semifinal stage of a Grand Slam before, obviously, Djokovic went for the calendar slam. Uh, or, uh, yeah, and, uh, I, you know, I think he's getting closer to almost breaking through or at least getting to a final and, and having a good showing in a final. I don't think Daniil Medvedev, the way he's playing right now, could, could win this tournament. But I think Alexander Zverev, I'm going to throw him in there as well. Oh, well, I, yeah, it's funny because I don't know that Zico would say Medvedev either. Um, I, that number, two to three or four, is kind of the sweet spot. And I think... You can obviously understand why. I took Medvedev to win, but mostly because I think that there was a good chance for him to get to the final. I don't know if he could actually do it from there, but I just saw it as an opportunity to hedge. I thought that he had a really good draw. I don't know. Like I, I think it's probably three. At the same time, I'm a weird dude. I think that Hubie Hurkacz could win a major one day. So <laughs> I'm not the right person to ask. No, I don't think so, Zico. I think that's the craziest thing you've ever said on this show. Well, <laughs> you have to check the tape on that. But uh, Pam, I'm just I'm just thinking of a scenario where maybe Djokovic Center play a six hour match and then could Alcaraz win. <laughs> it would have to be that, and that and we've seen Djokovic kind of fall into that before, where he played Zverev in a five setter at the U.S. Open um, in the semifinal, and then he got wrecked by Medvedev simply because the the legs weren't there. That exact same thing could absolutely happen. But honestly, like as good as Sinner is playing right now, I would kind of be surprised it would last that long. Like if he's on fire as I think he is, Djokovic either shows us something that we haven't seen in this tournament and puts him away, or Sinner 
puts Djokovic away because his power and everything right now is just clicking on all cylinders. In a weird way, you think that if Sinner beats Djokovic, like it's his year, like he's going to do it, like he's just going to go all the way. But uh, it's crazy. We're going to get to the picks, but I have to bring this up. Zico, one match away from your plus 600 to win her quarter, Quinwin Zhang, who also happens to be the highest seed left in the top half of the bra- bracket at 12. She's got Cal and Sky tonight, and uh, that poses the second question. Is a hedge in the cards? Yeah, I'm going to do Cal and Sky to win one unit, like nothing crazy, just because I think it's like plus 165. I don't have to lay too much, and I'll still win quite a bit if Zhang does win. But yeah, I, I'm hedging here just because I think Kalinskaya looks really good. I think she's been one of the breakout players of this tournament, and you know, just anything can kind of happen in the women's game. So I think that's the safe play. And you know, I don't always do it, but I do think this is a really good opportunity because you know you're getting an underdog plus money. I think I saw. I'm not sure. I think I saw Kenny roll his eyes when you said yes there on a hedge. No, I, I did not roll my eyes. I was uh, I was telling Gambling Tale. I really appreciated that. The chat has been great, and I also want to mention that someone asked if Yannick Sinner was hurt, which I thought you were going to throw up immediately because that's ridiculous. Um, but uh, no, I, I think that's a good smart thing. I actually think Kalinskaya. I've watched a lot of her over the last week, two weeks now, um, dating back to Adelaide, the the second uh, the second of. A WTA 500 before this tournament, which is actually crazy that they run two 500s before this event, but that's another story. Um, I, I don't know if Callan Sky's backhand down the line. I don't think she's really going to get in position to hit it a lot. Um, I, I think she really, she she's pretty good against players that aren't going to bring a ton of pace and she can just sort of dictate, uh, finish off rallies pretty quickly. But I think Zhang, the way she's hitting the ball right now, uh, especially if this, ma- I believe this match is going to be played at night. It's a little bit of uh, a little bit slower of conditions. I think that's going to suit Zhang a little bit more here. Um, I'm actually not too worried uh, about this for you, Zico. I'm more worried uh, if we're going to talk about a favorite in trouble on the other side. I'm a little more worried about Linda Nozkova. No offense to the 19-year-old whatsoever, but I do feel like coming into the biggest match of her career, maybe some nerves come into play. I will say that Zhang looked pretty little high of a number. Real high of a number, uh, minus one eighty. I thought that too. I mean, she didn't even she played two games in her last match, so I mean, we I mean seen yeah. It. And also, I, I will say, like Svitolina, you know, she's injured, so I think people would have the tendency to go, okay, well, that was just a no contest. I, I, I do feel like Svitolina has been injured for the last. I mean, we saw her take the medical timeout against Coco Golf, and uh, you know, she she also got hurt against uh, Emma Raducanu in the first round of that tournament, and yep. she seems fine. So I think it was an achievement to to really beat. Svitolina down for three games to the point where she didn't want to play anymore on her ankle. But, um, you know, so I, I do think Noskova is playing pretty well. I just, I worry about this stage of a grand slam. It's almost like no expectations against Igis Viantek and a top five player in Lena Svitolina. Now you're coming in with a lot of expectations. You're supposed to win this match. Diana Yastrzemska came through qualifying. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I think she's going to take the racket out of her hand tonight. I do have one question though, from like the betting perspective, if you are like a hedge to me is like, you're giving that person an absolute chance to win. So if you don't think Zhang is going to lose, um, then why don't you try to middle and take uh Kalin suck? How you, however y'all pronounce it. I'll, I'll leave that one up to you guys. Take her to win a set at plus one twenty five. I think Kalin Skyer can win. That, that's why I'm doing it. Like, I do think that, she has played really well this tournament. I think that there's a lot of pressure on Zhang because 
like like Kenny just said about Noskova, like there's been no expectations to this point. Now she's the highest seeded player on her side. It, you know, it's easier to come up from behind and kind of like, you know, su- surprise people with Sviatic out, you know, things like that. But now that there are expectations, I could see her kind of turning in a dud. And Kalen Skaya is like a really solid player, well, really good returner. That's what I'm saying. Like, look for the yeah. middle rather than a straight hedge of win-win. It is crazy. Would, yeah, one also, of these scores is going to be in the final, which is is kind of the crazy thing yeah. too. I, I would also reiterate that that watching, being one of the only people in America who was awake to watch that OC and Dodden match, um, I, I there was there was definite nerves on the face of Zhang early in that match. I think she knows the pressure is on, and it was really just a no contest. Dodden really couldn't move at all to these to these uh, the, the angles that Zhang was creating with her forehand. Um, I think Kalen Sky is a much better mover, and she's going to be able to come into this match and and put a little bit more forth in, uh, into it than we saw the you know really anyone in Zhang's path do uh, through four rounds. So. I think this could be a little tricky. I, I'm with Zico. Like, I'm a little nervous if I'm a young ticket holder. But, um, you know, I mean, it, I, I don't. I really don't know Kalinskaya if, if is she's going to be able to move as well as she needs to to get to some of these shots and, and win this match. I, I all, dis, all, all respect to Kalinskaya's run, but um, I just think she's going to be a little overmatched here. I mean, we saw it against Victoria Azarenka. Uh, what was it? Two and a half weeks ago now in, in uh, Brisbane, I believe. Like yeah, just Azarenka hit her off the court. Like Collins guy played a great match. Nothing she could do. I think Zhang brings what Azarenka brings times ten. I actually am with Pam here, Zico. I think I, I think uh, you know you could you could take Collins guy to win a set here. Perhaps perhaps the nerves get to Zhang in the first set, but um, I, I think or even you know maybe trying to serve it out in the second and then it gets complicated. Yeah. But I don't think she's going to lose this match. It's a new level. It's a new era. We saw nerves you know get to even better players on the women's side too. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Uh, Moving on here with Tennis Bets, Tennis Channel YouTube, Tennis.com, Facebook, Tennis Bets, Twitter, and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. We've got some quarterfinal action on the men's side tonight. One match in particular, actually both these matches you guys have a lot of action on. And uh, we'll start with Hubie Hercaj taking on Daniil Medvedev. We've got an aggressive pick and a maybe more conservative pick. And... My oh my, have uh, the the tables turned here, Pam? You're going money line here. You like Hubie two to one to beat Daniil Medvedev, a player with as big of a serve as that. Yeah, you take the money line and you don't look back. Um, I mean, this is the last. This is the only the second quarterfinal that we've seen her catch in. And what was the first one? The first and only one that he did was in Federer's retirement. I'll never forgive him for that. Bageling him at Wimbledon in 2020, like. Mm, damn it. <laughs> that, I think we all have a little like mm-hmm. soft spot in our hearts for that being it. But I mean, no, her catch right now is literally the best server on tour until Nick Kyrgios comes back. At least um, he's going to need to bring that type of best service serving game, having the type of aggression that we saw from the baseline against Arthur. Cause I was super impressed with Arthur coming into this match. And he just kind of had an answer. He it didn't really phase him at all. The type of aggression that Arthur could have brought himself. Medvedev, to me, is entirely out of rhythm. He's off his game. 
He was bested in his first set of the season by a qualifier. He went down two sets to love to Emil Rusevori in the second round. Medvedev yep. is playing from so deep behind the baseline. Typically, that's how you want to neutralize a big-time server like Hercatch. The problem is, Hercatch also has like a really good drop shot. So you're going to pull him so far behind from the court, you're going to open up a lot of open... Uh, open up a lot of opportunities to throw him off guard. Plus Medvedev is like, he is supposed to be Djokovic 2.0 as far as the return game, as far as having one of the best, like he's not doing that right now. He's been broken 13 times. He's just not a player that I trust right now. And you want to give me over two to one for her catch, who is playing super solid on kind of all fronts. Kenny, on the other hand, has plus one and a half sets for Hubie, which I, I understand. I mean, this number too, like plus one and a half sets, minus one ten. It's good value, I would think, based on a lot of what Pam said, based on what we've seen from Medvedev. I do wonder, though. I mean, I know how much you dislike the uh, some of Hubie's, you know, fans that dress up in like armor or just costumes, but you're still sticking with Hubie here. Yeah, some messages from the group chat leaking out. No, I uh, yeah, I mean, this guy who's been dressing up as the king of Poland. Uh, I, I'm, I think he's got to be. I think the. I think we should investigate the federations. Uh, paying people to go support these fa- these players because I I do feel like these French people were paid to go to these some of these matches with the especially with the Dodden match. But look, I mean, all power to the federations for doing that if they did. I think it's smart because you want your players to have some support. But yes, um, I never thought I'd be in this position to say Hubert Hurkacz is gonna maybe win a match in a quarterfinal of a Grand Slam. Because I never even thought Hubert Hurkacz would be in a quarterfinal of a Grand Slam after his Wimbledon appearance. I mean, this guy, this is, I think we should remind folks, when you look at the two hardcourt slams that we play, and Hurkacz has been a top 15 player for a lot longer than a guy like Taylor Fritz has, or even Holger Runa, like who's very young. I mean, he's he's had four years where he's had a pretty good crack at getting to at least a quarterfinal. Um, second round exit at all the hardcourt slams until this year, which is insane to me. Uh, and even, the, you know, he had two quarterfinal appearances, one at Wimbledon, one at the French Open in his years. So he's never been a player to trust in these spots. But the and, and typical Hercotch fashion, the first two matches here in Melbourne, he did not look good at all. But I think he's looked really good over the last two weeks. I mean, the Hugo Bear match, I thought was very, very impressive how he was able to compose himself after being down a set. I think his two-handers doing a lot of damage right now. But anyway, all this said, I do think with his level right now and with the fact that he's owned Medvedev in the head-to-head, I know people in the chat, correctly so, are saying the defenses of Medvedev are going to break down Hercotch. I think that handicap, in theory, has always been one that I've sort of followed, too, in my head. I've been, okay, well, matchup-wise, this is not very good for Hercotch, right? You take away his serve with the deep return position, and, you know, good things are going to happen for Medvedev. That just has not been the case they did, okay, the, the Wimbledon meeting for them in 2021, you can make the argument that Medvedev was in control. They got suspended due to darkness. They came back out the next day, and Hercotch came out with a, a, a head of steam. He looked a lot better. Maybe Craig Boynton told him a thing or two. But whatever he told him has seemed to work because he's taken a set in each of the last two matches. Yeah. And then in the last two uh, following, so they've played a total of five times on tour, Hercotch has won in straight sets. And interestingly enough, guys, the Miami match, which is a quarterfinal, and the Hala match, which is a final on grass, those are both matches contested on very, very fast surfaces. This match today is going to be, importantly, in the afternoon. Uh, I, I think we've seen Medvedev actually, you know, as recently as the U.S. Open. Also, I apologize. I look terrible right now. I woke up like, 50, you know, whatever, 20 minutes ago, 30 minutes no, ago. It's crazy. Yeah. 
Uh, so I apologize when I had my beauty sleep. But yeah, I think this is a this is a situation. You look at the U.S. Open last year. He had that really hot physical match with Andre Rublev. And if you guys remember, Rublev is a guy that Medvedev has historically owned. Even in that matchup, he had trouble closing that out in three sets. Uh, that match got really complicated. So um, I don't know if Medvedev in the heat in the day against Hercotch, a guy that's beat him on fast surfaces, is really a great spot at all. Um, and I, I just think for for whatever reason, Hercotch does something to really, really disrupt Medvedev. And I, maybe it's that the two-hander when he comes in on it. I think maybe he beats him a little bit to Medvedev with pace and depth. And I think that that is something that definitely makes an impact right. in this match. Uh, I think Hercotch, I don't know if he's got the medal, guys, to make it across the finish line here. But I was very interested to see a lot of money come in on the Hercotch money line. I believe he it's opened around plus two. Now he's maybe plus 180 some places, some shops, but he's remained at minus 110 uh, to win two sets in this match. So I think that's where the value lies here. Uh, I do think he digs his teeth into this one. Maybe he ultimately loses. Maybe Medvedev grinds him down in one of the bigger matches of his career. But uh, I think Hercotch here, I think this is a night of underdogs if you, if you mm-hmm. if there ever was one in a quarterfinal. I just think we're, we're, we're sitting way too comfortable, guys, when it comes to all these seated players getting into the quarters and okay. winning all these matches without really any any trouble. I think tonight maybe is the day of reckoning where we see okay. some disruption in the, in both draws. Okay. Zico, while we wrap on this, and Pam too, like this is actually a, a real line. Shout out to our comment for pulling this up. The total ace line is minus 120 med Hubie to get less. So any action from anybody here on this for a little prop action? I would take Medvedev because I, I feel like the obvious choice is to take Hubie and like there's a reason they want you to do yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And I... And I also think like Medvedev's just going to get his racket on the ball, a few of the balls because of how far he stands back there. Um, I would probably look to the over instead of who's going to have more if there is an over option. Because, yeah, I think there's a big difference between um, the rod of labor speed right now. Maybe it's playing a little bit faster. And that's going to help. You're playing during the day. That's going to help the ball pop. Yeah, I would take. I would be looking to an over-under rather than who's going to have more. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm just looking at the stats here. Uh, Med, uh, in their last meeting in Hala, nine to three in aces to Hercotch, five to two in Miami. Um, and if you want to go all the way back to that Wimbledon match they played, which was a five-set affair, uh, thirteen aces to Medvedev, ten to Hercotch. I think this is a pretty, pretty close matchup, honestly, in the ace department. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I, I just, I think it's a little bit scary to bet this one because you got the last two matches. Hercotch has won in the ace department really easily. Uh, in the three before that, the edge goes to Medvedev. So I actually think this is a big stay away okay. from me. I, again, I think we're using logic here, and I think that's you know that's that's nice, right? Pam and Zico are going to use logic here in, in the ace bets, but I think that no logic really makes any sense in this matchup because again, logically, if you thought about it, Medvedev should be five and zero oh in this matchup or four and one, um, and he's just not. He just has not been able to get rackets back on the Hercotch serve. So. Um, I, I I actually would lean towards Hubie here, given the way the trends are going. Okay. We got another quarterfinal match tonight. This is as up to date as about 25 minutes ago. Movement has had has been happening. Alcaraz is minus 480, taking on Zverev, plus 370. Some differing opinions on this one. Not a straight up head to head, but just some alternative ways to approach this from different angles. Pam, you're on the Alcaraz spread. You think he covers here five and a half games, minus 132. Why is that the case for you? 
Yesterday, I did also tweet a three-player money line. It was with Djokovic, Sinner, and Carlos just to just just win. And, of course, I just need Alcaraz to go ahead and come out with that. I like the minus five-and-a-half games if you don't have any action because the head-to-head right now for me is part of the equation. It's very misleading. Zverev leads four to three, but two of those were in 2021. This is way before Carlitos morphed into the player that he is. So, to me, the true record is three and two. And even then, Zverev over Alcaraz and Roland Garros – Akaras at that point was gassed. He won Miami, won Barcelona, won Madrid. His time on court was not at all comparable. So that's going to be a huge factor for me, which goes into the reason number two, why I like Akaras to come out probably in straight sets. Fitness this time around is going to matter. Zverev has had two five set matches. Zverev, 14 hours on court to Akaras eight and a half. That is such a drastic difference with a guy. You're going to see him on the other side of the court. Carlitos is going to be running around just like the Sonic the Hedgehog that he is from corner to corner, get every ball returned. That's going to put a – and what do we know about Zverev? He's not the most mentally tough type of player. So when he's already going to get down on himself, seeing your opponent return everything, and Nori, he was 59 times approached at the net, won 69% of that. What do you think Carlitos does? He comes into the net. He has the drop shots. He has a slice. He has every bit of what Nori was doing that was threatening Zverev. And he does it 10 times better. And he has the baseline compliment and the power and the serve. Everything to go ahead and come out. Zverev's forehand, short, passive, inconsistent. It has not looked good this tournament. This is why we have seen him in multiple five-set matches. It's more likely. I don't trust his forehand. It could and it will break down under pressure. Got like those... At worst, in four, I would I wouldn't be shocked if it was in straight sets. So the boys on the show have the over in this one at thirty six and a half games, a little synergy pick. And I think Pam, it is a good point to you know look at the head to head with a grain of salt. But to be fair, if we're going to do that, I'm also going to probably toss out last year's U.S. Open, given what we saw from Zverev with literally nothing left. So it is a fresh matchup. I do think Zverev was uneven at times in that Nori match. But Zico, first, why do you like the over in this one? Yeah, you brought up the U.S. Open matchup. Like, that's one that I would throw away because he had spent, like, a little over eight hours on court in the two matches leading up to that. This time around, he has played some long matches, but it's been a little over six hours instead of, you know, eight, which I think does make a difference. And I do think Zverev himself, after his last match, said that he's feeling fine. Like, he's not feeling fatigued. He, He admitted that he was dead at the U.S. Open and really couldn't go in that match. So he himself feels good. And I also think that he feels pretty confident in this matchup. So I think that this one's going to be one that goes over. I mean, I think that it could happen whether, you know, Zverev wins a set or not. I think we're going to see some tiebreakers in this match. Both of these guys are serving out of this world right now. Uh, clearly, Alcaraz took some time, you know, over the last two, three weeks to work on that serve. You know, that's been a big main weakness for him, but holding it over, I believe over 95% in this tournament right now, which is ridiculous. I know he hasn't played many people, but I do think that he is going to do a good job of holding. And I think Zverev, same thing, over 90% this year in a bigger sample size, uh, one of the best servers on tour. So I think we're going to see some really long sets, you know, seven, six, seven, fives. And honestly, like I do think Zverev is going to get a set. So I think that if he does, that's going to go over pretty easily. Like I thought 36 and a half was way too low. I expected to see 39 and a half or 40 and a half. There is, before I toss to Kenny, there is a scenario where everybody wins here. Just throwing that out there. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Yeah, there is. I mean, that's sort of the the thing about betting on tennis, right? That you can take the over or the spread and, and you could be right on your pick or right on your analysis and wrong on your bet and lose. So it's always scary. But yeah, I think 36 and a half games is kind of laughable here. You know, I, I actually think we don't take the head to head with any grain of salt. I think we lower the sodium here. I think we eat this rice plain and we just we just suck it up, you know, because I think this is a, a matchup here that's for whatever reason, again, like the, like the previous one we were discussing, it gives Carlos a little bit of trouble. I think perhaps it's the pace that Zverev is able to put on the ball, the, his ability to redirect. But I also think, you know, one of the things this tournament I've been following is that Alcaraz's breakpoint conversion rate has not been very good. Most of that does stem from his match against Richard Gasquet, but still under 50% in the last uh, the, the last of his matches. And I just, you know, you know against Zverev, a big server, one of the biggest servers in the world, this is not going to get many chances. Um, and, and, you know, I think when you look at that U.S. Open match, Zico's 100% right. Not only was it the time on court there, I know you can make that argument for, the you know, this tournament with the Lucas Klein match and and all the, the battles that he's had to go through, even the Dominic Cup for match. I, I think that match that he played against Yannick Sinner, just a, a couple, uh, you know, whatever it was, 40 hours before he had to play Carlos Alcaraz, took so much out of him. It was a late finish. It was a physical match. And you could tell that he just didn't have enough in the tank in that U.S. Open match. Even then, the first two sets were very close. That second set almost flipped. I think Svera brought up some break points early in the second. And he also was making his way back from ankle surgery that whole year. So it's like hard to really, I mean, that Madrid match they played, Zverev had absolutely, he was just so flat coming out of the locker room. He knew that his body was not in the place to compete in that match. When we saw them face each other in the, in the year-end finals, Zverev took that match in three sets. He but he won that match at the French Open in four sets. And again, a lot of people going into that U.S. Open match, I remember the discussion was so similar. It was like, okay, well, the head-to-head is Zverev, but look at the way that, you know, Carlos has improved his game since they played the French Open. That is a bunch of poppycock. If you look at that Roland Garros draw, Carlos Alcaraz came in as a co-favorite with Novak Djokovic to win that tournament. He was absolutely playing Grand Slam tennis at the moment. Yes, he's a little bit better now, but... I mean, we got to give me a break. That was a match that Zverev came out and took from Carlos. It was a shocking upset. And, you know, ironically, that was the next match where Zverev ended up turning his ankle um, and ended up really having to take a year to get back to full form. But I think that he serves way too big for Carlos to get a ton of looks in. And I think that ultimately that brings this match to the over. But I, I, I think Zverev knows he can beat him. I think Carlos knows Zverev can beat him as well. I think that plays a big factor here. And I think it's going to be a really, really tight match. I think the matches last night, we thought maybe they would be in- interesting on the men's side, especially that Sina Rublev match. I, don't, I think Rublev just was, was just everything was taken out of his gas tank by the ADM match. I think this is a much different night. I think these are two very live underdogs, and I would not be surprised at all to see Zverev win this match when no one's giving him a chance because he's historically played Carlos incredibly closely in all their meetings. Um, you know, I, I know you can, you know, the one grain of salt you probably do take is you can throw out those 2021 results because Carlos was just not Carlos back then. But, I mean, in the years since, I think he's he's looked unbelievable um, in in this matchup. So I think he definitely takes a set maybe two, and I think we got a very good match. And I brought, I brought it up uh, a few times. We, we've talked about it. It hasn't factored in yet because Carlos really hasn't played anyone. But still, no one Carlos Ferrero. Who's he looking to in that box for adjustments? It's just like a box of his family members. So you know, at some point, I do think that's going to catch up to him, maybe in a match like this. Okay. Well, before Pam has to dip out here, she did want to give her quick thoughts on this Djokovic center match as well. We're going to talk semis too, the two that we know ahead. 
And uh, Pam, I'll just throw some numbers at you. You tell me if you have a lean on any of these bets. That's the money line. The game spread right now is about four and a half. It's it's switching around over under is about 39 and a half. So any leans in this one? I have Djokovic in the future market to win uh, the Australian Open. So I would be trying to back center, not on the money line. I would probably take the plus games, the plus one and a half sets. He's playing so solid right now. Ever since he added in Cahill as his coach, you've just seen his a shift in his game. He's adding more of that drop shot. He's coming into the net more. He's no longer playing that straight from the baseline power. Now, because of that, he is just... My worry about Djokovic, um, my worry about backing Sinner to win is he's saved 26 of 28 breakpoints. That is absolutely unheard of, and I don't yet know, even from the eye test, I don't know if it's partial luck or if there's something there because of it. So instead, I would just be looking to take Sinner um, on the game spread, on the set spread. But I do also want to throw out a comment that the gambling, ta- ta- Taylor, uh, I'm just going to go opposite of whatever Pam says. Yeah, if you did, you're losing because I'm 7-2 and two in this tournament. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, you know, we appreciate the winners because I think a lot of people did make money. But, uh, no, I, I look, this Djokovic Center match is one that we had been talking about for a long time. So really do appreciate you breaking this down. Pam, I know you have to run. I know you juggle a lot of hats. So appreciate you coming on. We'll see you, I guess, Friday. When we yeah, have the final go Carritos. I just need the parlay to close. Um, Djokovic and Center. Other than that, I don't think I'm gonna actually. If I like me as a fan, there's a turn, certain point in the tournament, I become a fan and not a better. And I just want to watch this. And I would love to see Djokovic come out with a win, of course, because I want to see him. This is to me his uh, last year opportunity for a calendar slam. With Nadal potentially out of the picture, Sinner's starting to be a threat, but Carlitos is not maybe 100%. The, we have the um, the Golden Slam potentially. I think this is why he's sticking around because he he know, he know himself knows. He's already talked about his family, how he's starting to miss them a heck of a lot more now that he's on tour so much. I, would re- I don't know how much longer we have of Djokovic. Like in the long run of playing every tournament, playing every slam, he has the opportunity to be competitive. I think he really wants to just like solidify his goat status. And he, in order to do that, you got to win the majors. So I think that's that's why I'm like hanging my hat on that he's going to figure it out in the tournament. But Sinner is like ugh, legitimate scary. <laughs> There's always that passing of the torch moment. So you never yeah. know when it's coming. Mean, Djokovic has held off longer than anyone, but maybe it is time. And that's why this sport's awesome. Uh, Pam, always a pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye, guys. <laughs> See you later. Uh, the rest of this matchup, guys, from perspective, and I just want to toss it up. No one, you know, we had no official picks on this, but we're not going to have a show before the next one. I do like center on the game spread, and I'm not really a, a spread guy, so to speak, but I see this as a razor thin match. I have center on the futures market, so I took center plus 700 before this thing started. I'm not hedging this in any way. Like, I really like center's chances of winning. I also don't think it makes sense to hedge right now with a potentially tough final coming up. So I don't know. I, I think that if I had to play something on this match, it would be over 39 and a half games because I do think that there's no chance in hell Djokovic is going down without a fight. And at the same time, I feel the same way about Sinner. If, even if it is Djokovic to win, I think Sinner has flipped a switch mentally that we have not seen early in his career. Like that's one of the biggest changes I've seen in him in the last year. You know, I think that I used to think of him as kind of, you know, a mentally soft player, but I really do think there is, you know, to, to quote a popular expression, I think there's some dog in him now. I think that he is a really competitive guy. I think he has 
a lot of ambition. And I think that we saw towards the end of 2023 that he flipped that switch and really started to become, you know, an elite player with an elite mentality. And I do think that he believes he could beat Djokovic now. He has the power. He has the serve. He has the return game. Like, I don't see it going three sets again. I just don't see any way. Yeah, I'll be on center to win this match. I, I think he wins. I think he's playing. I mean, you know, we Pam touched on it at the top of the show, or the top of the show for me anyway. But, I, I mean, you look at the way that he came through two incredibly difficult players. I mean, Hatchinoff was throwing everything at him. We saw him at that tweener lob to bring up Love 30 in the third set. I mean, it was insane what Hatchinoff was doing out there on the court, hanging in rallies. Um, you know, I mean, look, the thing is, we've disparaged Johnny Sinner a lot on this show in years past. Um, and, and I think a lot of that was, was, was right to, we were right to do so. You know, I thought he, I, I think he definitely has never really shown the ability to make it through matches at grand slams cleanly. He's wasted a lot of energy, be, you know, trying to beat guys that he just should beat pretty easily. That has not been the case this week. And I think this is a matchup where like Zico said, he comes in with a different mindset now having beaten Novak Djokovic at some relatively big tournaments. Um, I, I, I think this is a match that he comes out and wins. I just think. I think there's a little bit of Djokovic in this guy in the sense that, you know, I, I feel like you want to talk about a passing of the torch moment. He's become the new guy that's just mysteriously injured in all of his matches and then somehow comes out and wins anyway. <laughs> uh, we had that comment earlier about his ab injury. Uh, and, and you notice how after he won yeah. that second set, no more grabbing the ab, you know? I mean, I don't know if that's a strategy or what it is, but um, yeah, for whatever I reason... You know, this guy only seems to get stronger as he gets hurt. So I would not doubt Yannick Sinner here in this match physically, um, ability-wise. I think he's right there with Djokovic in, the, in his ability to hit him, hit through and hit him off the court. Um, and, I, you know, there's also something to be said for these guys like Carlos, like Djokovic, who just haven't really had to face much, many tough tests. I mean, the last three matches for Djokovic are about as easy as they come for the, you know, to lead up into a semifinal of a Grand Slam. Um, and while that hasn't burned Novak Djokovic in the past, we, we've seen it almost burn him. You know, we saw it against against Yannick Sinner at Wimbledon on, on quick courts where he just he came into that match, really hadn't faced anyone who could hit the ball like Sinner. So this, this is a, a dangerous spot, I think, for Djokovic. I do not think he's really been playing his A-plus tennis. Obviously, yes, he'll probably bring it to this match. He knows he needs to. But, um, you know, I... I uh, I think Sinner wins this match. I mean, I just it, we've had this yeah. insane run over the last five years of Djokovic just winning all these slams and dominating everyone. But as yeah. you said, Zeke, uh, as you said, Mitch, it's going to happen eventually. He's going to lose at one of these tournaments, and I think this is the year that it happens. And shout out to Zico for telling us, uh, you know, us being us three or us two to uh, to to really take a look at Yannick Sinner to win this Australian Open. I put him in in November, so uh, hopefully that comes through. That's that that. You know, one in fifteen to eleven and five against the top five is huge. And yeah, the passing of the torch. Like Djokovic was the guy that came up and was supposed to live in fear of these legends, and he didn't do it. And maybe we're seeing the same from Sinner. Uh, last match to discuss the women's semifinal that is set. We've got numbers that this is you know changing quite a bit as well. Sabalenka enters a two to one favorite. Coco Golf plus one seventy. Sabalenka looked very impressive in her match. Coco Goff, not so much, but they both got the job done. They understood the assignment was to get to the semifinal. They got there, and we do have one pick on this show. Zico, you nabbed two and a half games pretty quickly at minus 120 for Sabalenka. Also pointing out before we get into why you did that, the number has kind of gone up. It's now we're looking at minus three and a half at about minus 102 for Sabalenka. But thoughts on this number and this bet for you? Yeah, I wish I could give it away two and a half to everyone. I still think I'd play it at three and a half. 
I just think that Sabalenka is entering another stratosphere, you know, just that Coco doesn't belong in, to be honest. I think that, you know, we've seen 10 matches from Sabalenka in 2024. Hold percentage, 88%. Break percentage, 80, uh, 57%. Like, that hold percentage is ridiculous for a player that two years ago, we, we thought her serves were going to be like the end of her career. So she has turned that into a legitimate strength. Uh, I think that she's going to hit Goff off the court, especially with Goff coming off you know, one of the worst performances we've seen in a while. Like, I can't even figure out how she got through that match. I think she's going to come into this one kind of doubting herself a little bit. Like, I know she thinks that she could beat Sabalenka by just putting a lot of balls in play. But, look, we're not going to get a crowd like we saw, at the, you know, in New York where it's 100% pro Coco. I do think that people are going to root for Goff like they always do. Like, she's always going to have crowd support. But I don't think it's going to be to the extent that, like, Sabalenka's missing everything and the, and the fans are cheering unforced errors, cheering double faults. Like, that really got to Sabalenka. That's not the way tennis is supposed to be played. I think this one will be more of a straightforward who's better at tennis. And I think Sabalenka's better from both sides. I think she's a better server. I think she's a better returner. I think she has too much power. And I also think that there's a comfort level she has down under after winning that tournament last year. I think that this could be a pretty straightforward match, potentially even, you know, lopsided. She's looked very good, and I put up this over-under uh, number as well, Kenny, to also get to something else. She hasn't had a set closer than 6-3 this tournament. You can still get plus 350 to her, for her to win the title without dropping a set. It has looked relatively comfortable for her. We know the level is up, and on the flip side, Coco Golf won that match. She survived. She, you know, pun intended, won ugly, but she's going to have to raise her level, and this would be something we haven't seen yet from her. When she won that U.S. Open, she played great pretty much from start to finish in that tournament. Do you see her raising her level, or do you think this is Arena going back-to-back -to, -back to at least get to the final? You know, I think she goes back. I think I'm with Zico on the on the game spread. I'll also take a look at Sabalenka to win in straights. I believe that's plus 150 right now, which is kind of crazy. Um, but I, I think, you know, in tennis betting, you like to – I think one of the ways that you normally win, right, is if you can identify – the, the true value of someone's form. I think that's one of the biggest tips for a tennis better out there. And I think if you look at Coco Goff, you look at the fact that she's 10 and 0 and Sablenka's 9 and 1, it may look like both these players are having great starts to the season. You look at that Auckland run to the final where she ended up winning, I mean, uh, over Alina Svitolina, that field in Auckland was incredibly weak compared to the field in Brisbane that Sabalenka came through to end up going to the finals and losing to Rabakina and what was kind of a weird final. Um, but, you know, coming through Azarenka, Kasatkina, Lin Zhu even, and Bronzetti are two decently quality opponents. Um, I just don't think Goff has faced the caliber of opponent that, that Sabalenka is right now. As Zico said, she's just, she's raised her game to another place. And I, I think that that forehand wing as much as we saw an improvement at the U.S. Open, it's, it's, it's sort of like Ben Shelton, right? Ben Shelton out of nowhere at the U.S. Open found his ability to return and then went right back into his shell uh, in, in the you know months following and just really hasn't showcased his ability to return quite as well as he did back then. Um, same thing here. I mean, I think the golf forehand is still a huge issue. We saw that last night against Kostyuk, and I think Sabalenka is just absolutely going to pick her apart. I really think she wins this one in straight sets. Uh, I, I think she's not playing her best tennis right now. And again, the other added factor, like Zico said, is that that U.S. Open match. I mean, she really should have won that, too. But the crowd got got into it. It played a role. That's just not going to be the case here. I think Sabalenka destroys Coco Goff, honestly. Um, and, and that's not to say Coco won't win this head to head maybe another time this year or next year. But I think in this match, the way both look, I think Sabalenka wins pretty easy. The serve kind of was going away from her as well, we saw in that match. And 
Look, that, that stat that was just up there, six straight major semifinals first in Serena. Sabalenka is consistently playing tough players in majors, so there's not much of a level change expected. But we'll see. It's going to be fun. Uh, fellas, this was a blast. We've got a lot of tennis to discuss uh, on Friday's show as well. We're going to come back. We're going to do this show on Friday. We're going to have the women's final and the men's final to discuss, recap some plays, talk more, maybe even look ahead if we want to. Uh, Zico, any any final words before we say goodbye? Any final advice or warnings to the public? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'd just say, like, I have thrown Sinner into that top bucket with Djokovic and Alcaraz. I think that he's firmly in that top tier. I think it's a three-man game at the top of the ten, at the men's game. And, you know, anytime you're getting plus money, on like, like you're getting on Sinner right now, I think you take it whenever these guys are playing against each other. I think more often than not, you're probably going to end up being happy that you took the underdog. Kenny, same question. Last piece of advice for people as they go out into the betting world for the next couple of days. Yeah, I would agree with Zico. I think this is a situation where you're not going to get Yannick Sinner at plus 192 to win this match this time next year. And I think you take it. I also think I would be aware of ignoring the head-to-heads here. I know that sometimes we, we like to, uh, some of the odds makers like to. I think they have in certain situations tonight. But I think that this night is a night for underdogs. I really believe that. And, uh, you know, I think maybe a little uh, Yastremska, Herkoc, Zverev, Parlay. I think it's plus twelve hundred. I legitimately think Zverev could win this match tonight. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'm giving him like the best chance in the world, but I think the dogs are barking tonight. That's my last bit of advice. Hubie, by the way, you guys laughed at me for saying Hubie could win a major. He wins this match is two matches away. So yeah, that I would know. be the Casparud <laughs> of all Casparuds. <laughs> I know that would be okay. I thought, yeah, that's right. I forgot to dislike him again. Um, all right. Well, hey, fellas, this has been great. Thanks to everybody for watching on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, listening to the podcast on all your platforms as well. Thanks to most of the fan participation. Great, Zachary, great live and- chat. Great live chat. Thanks so much, everyone, for coming out. Great. It's been great. Great, great banter. For Kenny Ducey, Zachary Cohn, and Pamela Maldonado, my name is Mitch Michaels. You've been listening and watching Tennis Bets. We appreciate you for joining and tuning in. We'll see you on Friday. Enjoy the Australian Open. Enjoy all the action. And uh, try to win some money, everyone. We'll talk to you later. Enjoy. Enjoy.